We look back on this past year and say God has been faithful. And we look to the coming year and we say, and he will be again. We begin each year with a focus on prayer. And this year in particular, we feel led to focus on prayer and fasting. Fasting being a practice in scripture that often accompanies prayer. What better way to start a new year and 2022 will be by the grace of God a year in which we passionately seek more of God's presence together as a church in which we long for him and increase our hunger for him we'll be taking a break from first Peter for a few weeks in fact I'd like to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 now um, we'll be taking a break as well in the coming weeks from First Peter uh, to address themes that we often address in January. And so today, prayer with an emphasis on fasting. Next week, we will examine ethnic partiality and ethnic harmony. The following week, we will focus on the sanctity of the unborn. So today, the purpose and power of Christian fasting. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches on three important duties for the Christian. Those are giving and prayer and fasting. And so Matthew 6, beginning in verse 16, is where we see our Lord's instruction regarding the discipline of fasting. This is God's holy and authoritative word. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May God bless the preaching of his word. Brian Chappell tells the following story in his book, Holiness by Grace. He tells this story. She took her children to the park to break the monotony of summer days, and instead she broke her own heart. She watched her children run to the playground as another car drove into the parking lot. The car ground to a quick stop, and a young, vibrant woman with a beaming smile leaped out of the driver's seat and skipped to a secluded table near an adjoining lake. The imagination of the mother watching began to race. Who could this young woman be meeting in such a secluded spot with so much enthusiasm? Was this a long-awaited and carefully planned rendezvous with an overbusy husband, a lunch date with a best friend, or a tryst between secret lovers? The mother determined to stay on the outlook for whoever got out of the next car, no one else came immediately, and the mother grew busy watching her children, breaking up fights, cleaning up skinned knees and such. When she finally did glance up again at the secluded woman, what the woman saw made her heart skip a beat. The woman 
was reading a Bible and praying. The person that had leapt from the car, the person she had leapt from the car to meet with such enthusiasm was her Lord. The mother recognized with pain that penetrated her spirit that she no longer had that same enthusiasm. Once the excitement of her own relationship with God had overwhelmed her, once the joy of her salvation had burned warm and bright, but now the fervor was gone. Faith had become a dreary duty. God had become a detached, frowning bystander. Something had happened over the years to her walk with the Lord. She didn't know exactly what it was, but she did know that she would not now skip to meet him. She had lost something wonderful, and she wept there in the park for her loss. A lot of us can identify with this challenge. Over time, a once exciting relationship with God changes, and the fervor is gone. The love grows cold. Whether we identify more with a woman who is virtually skipping to meet with God or the woman who grieves that she no longer has that enthusiasm, the Spirit of God is eager to meet with us today. God has given us a gift that expresses and cultivates a hunger for God, and that gift is called fasting. Fasting. What is fasting? To fast is to abstain from good things for spiritual reasons. We give up things that are not evil in themselves. Think food, snacks, coffee, alcohol, TV, video games, Facebook, social media, internet browsing, shopping, sleeping in, and on and on. We give up things that are not wrong to enjoy in order to say, I long for God more than his gifts, even his good gifts. This is the discipline of Christian fasting. John Piper has written my favorite book on fasting. It's called A Hunger for God. He says the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. And Piper says, fasting is a weapon in the fight against Satan. Do you need a weapon in the fight against Satan? Here it is. Fasting is a weapon in the fight against Satan. Fasting tests where the heart is. And when it reveals that the heart is with God and not the world, a mighty blow is struck against Satan. For then Satan does not have the foothold he would if our heart were in love with earthly things like bread. As a means of declaring that our hearts are with God, and in order to strike a mighty blow against Satan and his activity in our lives, we are encouraging everyone in the church to fast in some way for some portion of time over this next week. You might go 
24 hours or longer without eating. You might give up something else for the entire week. God is calling us to fast as an expression of our longing, the longing of our hearts for more of His power, for more of His presence. Isn't that exactly what Covenant Fellowship needs in 2022? We are desperate for more of His power and presence. And so this week, we fast for the good of our souls. We fast for the health of the church. We fast to declare war on the enemy of our souls. We fast as an expression of our longing for Christ's return. We fast, friends, as a way to communicate that we want Christ himself more than anything this world has to offer. And if your heart isn't at that place of wanting Christ more than anything this world has to offer, there's nothing you can do that will better cultivate that than to lean into the practice of fasting. (laughs) To say, Lord, my heart's not there, but I want it to be there. I want to long for you more. Jesus himself fasted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. And then later in chapter 9, he will be asked about fasting And he says that his followers will do this when he is gone. When the bridegroom is taken away, he says, referring to himself, then will they fast. Then will his followers fast. And that's exactly what we see later in Scripture in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, it was while the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting that the Holy Spirit led them to send out Barnabas and Saul. And so then after even more prayer and fasting, we're told they laid hands on them and sent them out. How God delights to move during times of worship and prayer and fasting. And then in Acts 14, 23, we see the church praying and fasting when elders are appointed at that time. Fasting then continues throughout the history of the church as a prominent practice among followers of Jesus Christ. Sadly, fasting does not have a prominent place in Christianity in America, and this is to our great detriment. We live in a day of feel-good religion in which no demands are placed upon people and grace is used to neglect a life of zeal and discipline and earnestness and sacrifice. I am afraid that too many Christians have become sluggish and fragile. And so it is no wonder that Christian fasting has fallen on hard times. I think if we are honest with ourselves, many of us can say we have not thought deeply about fasting and most of us probably do not practice fasting as we should. Edward Farrell, in his book on fasting, says almost everywhere, at all times, fasting has held a place of great importance since it is closely linked with the intimate sense of religion. Perhaps this is the explanation for the demise of fasting in our day. When the sense of God diminishes, fasting disappears. Oh, may the sense of God not diminish, but may it increase. And may we together as his people seek his face. If the discipline of fasting does not play an important role in your approach to the Christian life, I want to invite you to consider this practice afresh and to begin 2022 with prayer and fasting. Let's consider 
this theme, this teaching of our Lord under three headings. First, the importance of fasting. It is so striking that when Jesus turns his attention to a life of personal righteousness, what does it mean to seek after God? What does the Christian life involve? He teaches us concerning giving and prayer and fasting. And he does not say if you fast, but when you fast, because Jesus knows his followers will be those who fast. Fasting is not what saves us. It's important to understand, fasting will not win you favor with God. There are those who have fasted much and have prayed much and have given much who tragically will not enter the kingdom of God. In, in Luke 18, Jesus tells a story of two men. One man goes to the temple, right, goes to church he prays to God and he says God I thank you that I am not like those bad people in the world I fast twice a week I faithfully tithe the other man who is there says God be merciful to me a sinner and you know what Jesus says when he tells that story he says I tell you this man the second one God be merciful to me a sinner this man went down to his house justified accepted by God rather than the other. What louder statement could there be that we are not saved by our church attendance, by our obedience, by our prayers, by our fasting. We are saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone. To be a Christian is not that we follow these particular practices. To be a Christian means that we have admitted our sinfulness. We know that we deserve God's judgment, His holy wrath because of our sin. And we know that Christ Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. And that in Him alone we are accepted by God. Fasting does not win our acceptance with God. Here's what it does. It expresses our appetite for God. It expresses our longing for the God who has saved us. It expresses a desire for God to act in our lives and in the church and in the world today. I read of how a seminary pres president in the last century came to take fasting seriously. His name was Carl Lundquist. He, on one occasion, visited a pastor in Seoul, Korea, and he learned that this man, a leader in Korea had devoted 40 days to fasting and prayer prior to an outreach event in 1980. They had expected a million people to be at this event. Six months before, police revoked their permission for the event. There was so much turmoil and political conflict in Korea, the police decided they could not risk having that many people together. And so, what did this pastor do in this moment of distress, in this moment of disappointment, in this moment of need? He and a group of Christians spent 40 days in prayer and fasting. And then they were gloriously informed by the police that they had changed their mind and that the event could be held. Carl Lundquist, when he heard this story, realized, I have never taken fasting seriously. I've been living the Christian life and not taking fasting seriously. And he said, perhaps 
I had never desired a work of God with that same intensity. Looking upon another and seeing such a longing, such a desire for a work of God can sometimes have the effect of reproving us, of having us examine the depth and the strength of our own longings for a mighty work of God. Friends, do you desire a work of God with intensity? And will you fast as an expression of that longing? In 2022, we have a number of events that you could consider fasting before. The men's conference at the end of January, the regional youth meeting in February, the women's retreat that we have coming in April, the launch of Valley Creek Church that Nick Kidwell is leading in September, and more. We fast as a part of the Christian life. Now next, our second point is the manner and motive of fasting, and this is where Jesus focuses his teaching, the manner of fasting. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. It was apparently the practice of some of the Pharisees to put on a show during their fasting. I thought of this. You know how men, some men, sometimes act when they have a small cold, right? The agony of it all, the drama We sprawl out and shove tissues up our nose and moan like a dying man. Well, now I know what the pain of childbirth is like. (laughs) Honey, I don't think I'm going to make it. Save yourself. The Pharisees knew how to put on a performance. They were like, in case you can't tell from the long face and the desperate hunger in my eyes, I'm fasting. And they signaled it to all the world. Jesus says that is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, why? Because we're supposed to be fasting as an expression of a hunger for God and a love for him. And they were instead using fasting to impress others. If you do religious things simply to make an impression on others or to fit in with others, you do not please God. And Jesus is concerned, in fact, throughout this chapter, his concern is with the human tendency to do things in order to be seen by others. Don't live that way. Jesus calls you out on it. It is hypocrisy. We should all include in our New Year's resolutions to worry a lot less about the impression we are making on others. To live more with an eye to God and less with an eye to the impression we are having on others. Listen, no one thinks about me as much as I do anyways. They are all too busy thinking about themselves. And we do well to concern ourselves with the Father. That is the manner and motive of fasting. So what's the proper manner of fasting? We should look as we normally do. We should not be gloomy. (laughs) We should be joyful as we carry out this, this duty. Why? Because following Christ is not a gloomy thing. Listen, he died for us. And will we be gloomy? He has rescued you from sin and death. And friend, will you be gloomy? He is committed in 2022 to making you more and more like Christ to continue his good work in your life. Will you be gloomy? He's he's promised to satisfy our hearts. A, A gloomy Christian is a contradiction of terms. We are to be a joyful people. That is the manner of our fasting and all of our Christian living. And the motive of fasting, 
not with people in view, but with God in view. The manner and the motive of fasting. And then third and last point, the reward of fasting. The reward. If you fast like the hypocrites, Jesus says, you have received your reward. It is the lame and fleeting reward of the praise of others. Enjoy it while it lasts because it will soon be gone. Jesus says that we should desire, verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Now, throughout this whole chapter, private religion is commended. This does not mean that we cannot have times of fasting together or where if someone else knows that we are fasting or giving or praying, that it is a sin and displeasing. But whenever we do these things, is the point Jesus is making, we do it with an eye to the Father and not to impress others. And Jesus says here, do it to be seen by your Father who is in secret, and then here it is, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here's a glorious vision of the Christian life where all that we do as followers of Christ is done for the audience of one. It is done for God himself. And this is exactly how you are living. This is exactly what 2021 has been and why you ought to take heart and be encouraged this day. Some of you have been remarkably steadfast under trial. Know this today, the Father will reward you. You have been obedient when it has not been easy. You have denied yourself. You have sacrificed your own comfort in order to serve others. You have been generous in your giving. You have been faithful to pray without ceasing. You have fasted, some of you, in private. And God wants you to know today, your father sees. None of it is in vain. Not one act of obedience, not one thing done with an eye to pleasing your father in heaven will be in vain. Your father sees. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the generosity of our God. He sees our fasting. He delights in our fasting. And God rewards us for our fasting. It is because the whole of the Christian life is a life of grace that God waits to be gracious to us in 2022 and all the days of our lives. And so church family, as we orient our souls to God in prayer and fasting, each one of us can expect great reward. We may not impress the world with it, but that's not the reward we're after anyway. We seek the face of God. Pastor Charles Spurgeon once said this of his congregation. He said, our seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gate stood wider Never have our hearts been nearer the central glory. Oh, how God moves during seasons of prayer and fasting. And that's why we start the year this way. As we pray and fast, we are fixing our eyes on Christ. 
As we pray and fast, we are communing with God himself and we are saying together with one voice, Lord, we desire more of you. We long for more of you. Our appetite for the things of earth is not greater than our appetite for you. And so we will long for you and seek your face together. One of the great women of the Christian faith is named Fanny Crosby. She was a popular speaker, a concert singer, an accomplished musician. She had a lively sense of humor. She was the first woman to speak before the Senate, and she was a personal friend to several presidents, Fanny Crosby. Yet she knew hardship. She knew great hardship. She lived among the poor in New York City when she was Six weeks old, she was completely blinded for life by a bad doctor. Her father died when she was a toddler. Her mother left to work as a maid, and she was raised by her grandmother. Fanny Crosby wrote nearly 9,000 hymns. They say she started in her 40s and basically then averaged a hymn every other day of her life. And her hymns often came out of her life experience and conversations that she would have with others. One day, Fanny Crosby was talking with one of her neighbors, and he began to complain about his poverty. He said, if I had more money, I would be able to do what I want. I'd be able to make such a greater impact in the world. And in that moment and in that conversation, Fanny replied by saying this, well, you can take the world but give me Jesus. And that conversation stuck with her and inspired her and got her thinking, and from it she wrote the song with glorious truth, take the world, but give me Jesus. And I thought about that, and friends, that's exactly what fasting says. Fasting says, take the world. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Fasting says we live not for food and entertainment and the pleasures of this world. We live for Christ who is our greatest treasure. Christ alone is the pearl of great price. Christ alone is the one we will follow. Christ alone is the one we will adore. Christ alone will be our anthem and our song as we head into 2022. This will be our cry. Take the world. Give me Jesus. Let's together continue leaning into 2022 by expressing our great longing for the God who has saved us. Amen.